when you guys were in the studio, um, did did uh, Byron orchestrate a lot of stuff, or did he kind of let everyone do their thing? And and what about uh, Fleming? What what role did he play? How did that work out? Yeah, well, now, now Byron always had tremendous influence in the studio. I mean, you know, some of the things that I love. I mean, first of all, his creativity was off the charts, in my view. I mean, By Byron's just one of these infinite creative beings, but he also his way of um, arranging our course courses and 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 the vocals, you know, his vocal arrangements and those kinds of things were just were just fabulous, you know. But I mean, but one of Byron's greatest things was the kind of leader that he was, you know, because he was, you know, he he welcomed your creativity, he'd welcome your ideas. You you always felt comfortable saying, "Hey, I got an idea, Byron. What do you think of this?" You know what I mean? So he wasn't by any means, you know, but. But he was like, you know, the first guy there and the last guy to leave. I mean, I mean, he was the ultimate leader when it came to that. Bo was a groove master. I mean, Bo just, I mean, Bo had an ear for what he thought was commercial, hip. So, I mean, most of our songs, Bo would select. We, we, I mean, when you do an album, you've got, I don't know, nine, ten songs that say you're putting on the album. But you, but you come to the table with 20, 30 songs, you know, whatever it might be. And Bo would be the one that would say, this goes, this stays, this goes, this stays, you know, that kind of thing. And um, and he would tell you, you know, Bo had a really smart ear, too. I mean, he, you know, real strong on pitch. But Bo was also about saying that this doesn't feel right. Give me something else. Give me a little more. Yeah, you know, and but it's also, you know, you could feel Bo in the booth. I love playing. And then if you look over and see Bo's head, just just move, you know what I mean? And his, his body, you know, I mean, you know, and he would clap. So, you know, it's, it's amazing, you know, the importance of body language, you know, that body language and tone of voice. Um, you know, I learned, you know, a couple of years later that, you know, when it comes down to communication, only 7% of communication is the actual words you speak. 38% is tone of voice and 55% is body language. Mm -hmm. So it's just amazing, you know, when the, the tone, the body language, well, they talk about such a big part of communication. Well, yeah, when they talk about chemistry within the band, and yeah. all of that plays into it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the chemistry in the band was the greatest, in my opinion, on our third album. There was a freedom. There was a freedom. There was an experimentation. There was a, there was a, I mean, I mean, just, just a total, there was, the third album, there was like what I call no judgment. You know, it was just like, let's just, we're just all in this together, working together, playing it, supporting each other. Um, the third album had um, Dance, Do What You Want to Do by Keith. That was our first single, you know? And I mean, man, what a smooth jam. I mean, I, I mean, people just love, love, love that song, you know? People talk about it as being one of their favorite songs of all time is, I, you know, Dance, Do What You Want to Do, the groove. Oh, and, that's tremendous. That's a monster jam. You know, just yeah. it's just great. I love listening to that music. You know, and Sun is here. Uh, according to this, I think it was the top charting song at least to that point. It was uh, yeah top twenty on the R and B US chart. That's so. exactly right. Yep, it was the top charting song for <clears> us. <throat> yep, it, it sure was. And yet, you know, we never released "I Had a Choice" as a single, and I'm glad we didn't because "I Had a Choice." helped the album sales go you know what i mean the album sales just you know people had to buy the album to get that song they couldn't buy a single which so if we look at this here uh which 
Which is you? Can you see? On that one, I am the guy standing up in the white uh, suit in the back. Here? Yeah, I, I think, wait, 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 no, wait, 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 wait. I can't see. I, I think I'm next to, man, I can't, you know what, I cannot see. Wait, wait, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put this up so I can see this. Wait a minute, see you. I am, oh, I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down in the white suit. Um, right. Yeah, that's me. All right. There we down. go. There's, there's Kim. Yep. Okay. That's me. All right. That is me. <laughs> so um, now was that the um, the lineup you're talking about on Sunburn or was that the earlier lineup? Is what? Is what'd you say? Was that the original lineup or the third record lineup? That is the original lineup. That is the original Sun. Okay. So um, how would you... If somebody asked you, uh, Kim, how would you summarize the sun sound? What was it? Man, you know, gosh, I mean, that that is that, you know, I mean, I'd have the same struggle if you said to me, like, summarize the earth, wind, and fire sound, or or, or the or the Chicago sound, because 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 the words, you know. Well, let me put it this way: What do you think made made Sun unique in what they did? I, I, I think I think I think it was our melodies. I was I think it was the way we approached music. I think it's the way we felt it. You know, in particular, the way you know so much the way Byron felt it. You know, I mean the way, you know, because he was the leader of the band. So, and and Byron would mix and all of that. So I think that you know By Byron had, you know, uh, you know his own unique edge, his own unique, you know, interpretation of what something would sound like, you know, and, and the horns, you know, the syncopation of the horns and that kind of thing, you know? So I, I think, you know, for us, it was just like, like when I think about our, when I think about our music and I think about, how, you know, how we play together, I mean, I, I, you know, for me, album three and album four would be the, uh, the, the most transparent i mean would be the would, would be where the group you know uh gelled in a special way in a special way with that set of musicians and players you know of how we interplayed with each other you know how we you know how how we were aligned musically the best together you know yeah you know That's as a performer for those who don't know, uh, Byron was a multi-instrumentalist. I mean, was yes, anything, he was. Anything he didn't play, probably drums, right? <laughs> Man, he he could sit down and hold a beat on the drums too. Yeah. <laughs> he could play a beat. Yeah, he could. Byron, I remember those. Oh gosh, what was the name of the song on our album? Oh man, it's it's on the second album, and I don't know why. I'm, um, I got it here draw a blank on it at this moment but anyway he had a beat that he would he, he would play some of the beat and the other part of the beat he would he would spit out with his mouth right you know he would tell me what to do so i had to interpret this groove that he had so he would teach me some beats he would show me some stuff like like what is that you know and uh, and i would do it and i would perfect it you know and get it right where he wanted it to be but no uh very very talented talented but you're right he's a multi um intermittent you know uh you know um 
uh, instrument, you know, multi-instrument, you know, expert really played a lot of things, created a lot of things too, you know. Byron was, you know, a lot of things that what people don't know about Byron is he's actually a scientist. I mean, no, I, no honestly, I got to tell you a quick little story. This is no joke. Me and Byron were roommates with the band when we were traveling. And I remember, you know, and, you know, um, just I, we were talking about Star Trek. We were both Star Trek fans. Now, listen, it was like we'd finished the gig. We we're in the hotel room and, uh, you know, and, you know, turning out the lights. He's in his bed. Of course, I'm in my bed. And I said to Byron, I said, um, man, I said, it sure would be something if we could transport ourselves like they do in Star Trek. And Byron says, well, believe it or not, he says, that is not far-fetched. I said, what do you mean? He says, I mean, there's actually a, you know, a formula. He says, I've actually put energy and time in thinking about how we could really do that. So to humor him, to humor Byron, I said, oh, really? Well, what's the formula? That was at midnight. Byron started talking. Swear to you, at 5.30 in the morning, I wake up, Byron's still talking. <laughs> Byron is still talking hours later. And I mean talking science. I mean talking formulas. So, you know, very unique. Nobody in the world like Byron. Interesting is somebody with such an analytical mind would be able to get into the, the deep feeling aspect of something like funk. Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. And that was his soul. And he's never stopped. I mean, like, you know, I <clears throat> once I left the band, I got into... You know, I um, I left the band in 1981. We were down in Brazil. That was our last gig, big, big gig. We're down there for a month. And um, I love the band. I love I love the opportunity that the band gave me. But, you know, but I was also, you know, listen, and you guys have heard, everybody's heard this. Bands are like, again, like a business. It's up and down. It's up and down. I mean, in 1978, when we, when we came out with Sun Is Here and the Sunburn album, that album went gold, and that is also the year that we went on tour with the OJs. The OJs had just come out with She Used to Be My Girl. Uh, mega hit for them. The OJs selected us to be, you know, their opening act. So in most cases, I mean, I mean, most we opened a whole tour that year where we're playing with the OJs. And um, we also were flying Lear jets. We were playing all over the place. We were, we were getting double booked all the time. When I say double booked, we were playing one place at you know, five o'clock in the afternoon at some outdoor concert. Then we leave and we fly to someplace else and play an evening concert someplace. I mean, it was just, we were doing multiple dates and, and everything. I remember, and so, 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 so money's coming in, royalties. Fortunately, I wrote some songs. So I had writer's royalties coming in and everything else. And so, you know, but you think that's going to continue. You think it's going to, you think the next album is going to be just as good. You think the next one's going to be just as good. And you know what? It's it, it's a blessing when these albums sell and these things go. But you know, you aren't prepared for um, how quickly something can turn on you. You know, things can ramp up for you really fast, and things can also turn on you really fast. And um, but I, you know, I just remembered I, that that gosh, I I was tired of the of, of the up and down, and I just felt like you know what? If I can't be positive, if I can't approach this with a positive attitude and affirmation and everything else it's time for me it's time for me to go in a different direction so it was painful but i but i left the band then and then i got i ended up um trying to get my own deal 
And uh, you had what I thought was some really great songs. I had several record companies call me back. I had companies call me back and I'd hear on the voicemail at home, they'd say, hey, this is Atlantic Records. We love this music. Call us back as soon as you can. We want to talk about signing you. What kind of stuff were you doing on your own? I was doing, my stuff was, was um, uh, more poppish, funkish. It was, it was a pop mix blend. It wasn't as funky. Like I wouldn't be doing songs like Long Drawn Out Thing. It wasn't that kind of fun. It was more poppish, um, more like I had a choice and things like that. It was just a different blend. This is a different blend of stuff, you know? And um, I had a tendency to write that write that way. But I get calls like that, very excited. I'd call back and they'd never return my call. And I'm, th and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, you called me. You told me you left a you left a message telling me you love my music. You call back as soon as you can. You wanna you wanna do a deal with me. To now when I call you, you're ignoring me. You don't call. I mean that that happened more than once. You know, it's just like you say to yourself, like what what happened? And you know, but but you can't dwell on it. You have to keep moving. And so I ended up. I remember thinking it's so funny, Scott. You talk about business. I remember thinking to myself, okay. How can I keep a consistent flow of income coming in so I can pay my rent, pay my bills, all that stuff? How can I do that and at the same time free myself up so I can do music? So I had the big idea, you know what? <clears throat> Let's produce some jingles. You know, I, I know I got all these musician friends. I mean, I got incredible musician friends that play. Why don't I go ahead and write some jingles? And the money that I make with jingles can supplement my income so I can spend more time working on original songs. Well, Scott, I started doing jingles, and I mean, we got busy. We started winning awards. Um, I got so busy doing jingles. Listen to this. I was working in a studio in Xenia, Ohio, which is outside of Dayton. And this guy had built a studio in a home, and he customized it. and had a 16-track studio inside there. And this guy... <clears throat> I was doing so much business for him that I was, I had another studio contact me and said, listen, we'd love to have you at our studio. It was in Dayton. We'll cut you a better deal than the studio, studio you've got now. We've got newer equipment. Why don't you come here and do your work? I thought, you know what? Perfect match. I go back to the studio in Xenia and said, hey, partner, I appreciate you know the time we've had together, but I'm moving to a new studio. He says, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? He says, you're the biggest piece of business we've got. If you're going to a new studio, I'm going to sell my studio to you <laughs> because I, you're my business. <laughs> and I ended up buying his studio and bought his studio. And I mean, we're turning out jingles like you won't believe. But guess what? I didn't have time to work on my own music. There was that jingles all of a sudden. Jingle all the way. You know, I'm, I'm having people contacting me for not just jingles. They're saying, Hey, can 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 you handle my advertising? Can you come up with some new ideas for me? I mean, so next thing later, 15 years later, I've got an advertising agency with over 40 employees. I've won over 200 awards of excellence, and I'm I'm like busy. Did did you have any business or marketing training of any kind? I I did not. I did not. It was it was instinctual. It was it was you know. It, it was like learning it step by step. And I, I started to absorb personal development stuff like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I started listening to 
people like Brian Tracy, who's the world's premier expert in sales. I listen to Og Mandino. Uh, I, you know, I, I mean, just a guy by the name of Nito Cobain. I'm, I'm, I'm just absorbing tons and tons of content. So my, my car actually, I stopped playing music in my car and started playing tapes and cassette tapes of these experts in business. And so as I'm driving around, I'm, I'm listening to these tapes. So I had like a university in the car. And that's, that's, that's what I did. Wow. Amazing uh, transformation. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your business uh, path. Uh, but before we do, a couple more sun questions. Um, and also, I wanted to uh, mention on the, um, I think it was the fourth record, Destination Sun. Was that the fourth one? Yes. Yeah, sun. Radiation level, killer yeah. track. Yeah. Man, radiation level was, I remember when we did this because I used the same beat that I, for the most part that I used on Sun is Here. And um, I remember thinking I was not a fan of the words of radiation level. Okay. So, I mean, I mean, we're in the studio and we're going five, four, three, two, one, <laughs> blast off with Sun. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I'm like five, four, three, two, one. Well, let me tell you, man, that song was a lot of fun to play live, you know, and 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 that's what diversity is all about, Scott. That that is, that, if ever there's the case for diversity, you know what I mean? Like you know, there's a certain kind of song, certain things, and I, of course, of course, I learned to love, you know, radiation level. You know, I learned to love it. You know, but I'm just saying, at the time. I just thought, five, and I remember uh, <laughs> Byron's Byron's father, who was just a tremendous man, tremendous man, when the way his Byron's father supported him, supported him. And um, but I remember when with just another song we were doing, I had a choice, and at the end of it, Keith would sing, "I'll be so honest, I'll be so true, I'll be so doggone good to you," and his father said, uh, "Doggone good to you, like doggone." <laughs> And Bo said, yeah, doggone. <laughs> you know, we're, we're just some Dayton, Ohio boys, you know. And uh, but, you know, just different words and stuff resonate differently with different people, you know. But radiation level. Yeah, I, I remember being at a club and I was outside talking with someone. And there was this couple of girls walking out into the parking lot. And they're walking, they didn't know me and the other guy I was with and nothing like that, but they were walking out, just talking, having fun. And all of a sudden, radiation level came on. You could hear it coming out through the doors. And the girl said, oh no, baby, I can't leave. I can't leave. I gotta, they're playing my jam. <laughs> now, let me tell you, Scott, there is nothing that beats that feeling. When someone, you know, she's out there, she was leaving. She heard her jam. No, baby, we're going back. They're playing my jam. You know, I mean, that is extreme happiness. It's extreme happiness. It makes That's you awesome. feel so good yeah. that someone feels that way about some music that you're playing on. Yeah. Well, the well, intro of that track especially was just a great intro. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, and the other the other track I got to mention, I guess, was your last record with them, is "Sun Over the Universe" and "Hot Spot" was another one. Hot Spot, yeah, Hot Spot, Sun Over the U yeah, that that was fun too. You know, you bring it up, 
your brain, it, I, you know, I have certain sun songs that I will listen to. I'll be in my car and I'm cruising around, you know, because because I love the memories. You know, I, you know, I love being able to put that music on for, uh, you know, and knowing that, that was our band, that was a moment in time. You know, I'm playing on this, the guys and what we were going through as a group. And so it, it brings me right back there. And I, it brings me back to their smiles. It brings me back to, you know, I, you know what it is in, in the, um, I've done a lot of work <clears throat> in the area of happiness. In fact, I, I am co-founder of a magazine called Live Happy. And um, with it, it's all about the world of positive psychology. And I didn't know this till later, but, you know, part of happiness is, is savoring the moments, you know, just you savor, and that's that's the right word for it. You savor the moment in time that certain things bring up in your life, you know, and it, and it, and it does. It creates for me a lot of uh, happiness and fulfillment. The the record also was uh, uh, Sheldon Reynolds came into the picture. Yes. So yeah. did you have some crossover with him? Yeah, we did a lot of stuff with Sheldon. Sheldon, Sheldon, um, it, it, great man, just great musician. Um, uh, we wrote some things together, worked on some things together, you know, but um, gifted, man, gifted singer, gift, gifted performer, you know, he's had an illustrious uh, career. You know, I I, um, I feel for him now, especially, you know, he, he, he came down with Parkinson's just like Maurice White, you know, and that's very tough. He came to Dallas and we were able to go out. And I mean, this has been within the last, oh, within the last six months, he came to Dallas and, um he, uh, I went by and picked him up. We just had a great day, man. We went we went out talking, telling 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 stories to each other, you know. And he's filling me in on things with Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the things that we went through with Sun, you know. And um, had us a great lunch together, and you know, but that that was really uh, that's really great, you know. But gifted, gifted musician. I had him on the show not too long ago, and I was asking him about Sun. It was like all good. And he really had good memories, but um, he didn't really remember that much about making the specific songs, but he just remembered the experience. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what he really took away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he's, you know, Shelton's had, he's had a lot. I mean, from Sun, I mean. Commodores. Commodores, yeah. right. You know, and all those years with Earth, Wind, and Fire and, uh, you know, all of that, you know. So he's he's had a lot. I've only had Sun. You know what yeah. I mean? I've so, only so, so when you when you left them though, was it um, friendly circumstances? Did you keep in touch with the guys? No, I did, I did, I did. It was, you know what? It, it's it it was friendly. Of course, it was friendly and respectful. But I also um, I had to focus on a whole new world for myself. You know what I mean? But you know, and listen, me and Byron stay are in touch today. I mean, we talk. Um, I'll call him. He'll call me. He lives in London. And so we're in touch. I'm not in touch with the other guys as much. You know, Gary uh, King, who played trombone, is back in Dayton. You know, I uh, I reach out for, reach out to him from time to time, but I've not talked with him in a in a long time either. You know, and um, I'm trying to stop my phone here, stop my. Uh, You're a man in demand. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, you know, so I don't talk to them as much. I'd love to see the guys. You know, I I have thought to myself about some kind of just our own reunion and how, how much of a blast it would be if we all got in the room with, with our instruments, you know? I mean, now here's the thing. If I knew we were going to do that, I'd be, I, I would start practicing. 
Yeah. Do, do, you, do you ever play nowadays or? You know, no, I, I don't even have a drum these days. You know, I, drums. I'm actually, for the first time, I've been thinking about buying a set of drums and hooking myself up and getting back into it. You know, I've got to, I've got a very fulfilling, very busy life now. You know, I, I mean, I've, I had my advertising agency for 15 years. It was very, very successful and uh, um, moved to Dallas because one of my clients had asked me, you know, when I had the advertising agency, he says, Kim, he says, you know, I love the work you're, you're doing. What would it take for you to come here and be the vice president of all of our marketing, global marketing for this new television network? Well, you know what, Scott, here's the interesting thing about this is um, uh, 15 years of having an advertising agency, that, not, that wasn't my, my, my plan. And I didn't enjoy it anymore. And it's amazing how God works and the opportunities that come your way because I was offered this opportunity to come here and I ended up selling the agency to my agency to my employees. My employees didn't know that even though I own the company and I was the boss, I wasn't enjoying myself, you know? You know, I, you know, I had money, I had a fabulous house, I had really great friends, but I wasn't enjoying my life's work. I wasn't enjoying just doing advertising. Mm. So I came here to launch and help um, a company build a positive TV network, which was later sold to another company, which is all good. And, and but it but it got me here. But I, but I'll tell you, 18 years ago, my wife and I decided to do something together, and and uh, I saw an opportunity with what was going on on the internet, and um, you, you know, and I and I thought, you know, here's here's my wife is here. She's got her master's degree. She's really smart. And she's doing consulting work. And I realized I said to her, her name is Sandra. I said, Sandra, I said, you know, there are companies here that are looking for you and they can't find you. Uh, they don't know how to find you. And you and there are people there that you need to know, but you don't know them. I mean, you know, and I said, here you are with a master's degree. You're a smart woman. If you're having that problem, think about all the other millions of women that are having the same problem. And with that, we, we, we launched a company called eWomen Network and created an international women's membership network for women entrepreneurs. And so now we're going into our 18th year. We're the largest women's business network in the country, in North America. I have 118 chapters all over the country. We host almost, almost 2,000 events a year. We do the largest women's entrepreneur conference in, in the country. Um, you know, we have three quarters of a floor here in Dallas. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun with this. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, and learning, you know, so, you know, it's, it's interesting with the, with the, uh, what you call the me too movement, the times out movement, which are important and they're changing the course. Um, we're into the make women millionaires movement. <laughs> you know? So everything we do is, you know, all around how to how to help a million women each achieve a million dollars in annual revenue. So, and we got a plan and a process. So, so our movement is the million million dollar women's movement. You know, and I I, I really love it. I really enjoy it. Wow, that's amazing. So I bet you had no idea it was going to grow to what it became. No, no, no. And and, and you know, here, here's the thing: if with almost any business or anything you do, you know, in most cases, not all. But most cases, it never grows as fast as you think it's going to grow. It never gets as big as you think it's going to be. And it's never as easy as they told you it was going to be. You know, everything takes time. You know, it just takes time and development. Sure, though, there are those things that, you know, 
that seem like they're overnight successes, but you know, there's a lot that goes into anything that any of us do, you know? I mean, same thing with what you're doing, you know, where this will lead and evolve and what it does for you. But I think, I think as long as you're doing something that is meaningful, that brings purpose to your life, that is, you know, that, that you would be proud to tell people what you do as opposed to saying, ah, I don't want them to know what I do, you know what I mean? I think, um, you know, I know above everything else that, you know, what we're doing is making a difference. And that difference really fires me up. It really yeah. does. Well, typically what you're describing is something that is helpful to others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, I want to ask a couple more questions, um, okay. Tim, if I could. One is... Um, and first of all, congratulations on all your great success, you know? Oh, thanks. Thanks, Scott. Um, but um, looking back at, at data, and a lot's been made about how it's sort of like um, the bed, bedrock of funk. Um, yes. They just opened the museum down there. Yeah. What What is it about that particular part of the country and that whole environment that you came up in that was so special? And, and also, why funk? Why data? You know, first of all, I I give a huge tribute to the Ohio players, those guys. I mean, man, you know, they, first of all, they inspired us. First of all, they inspired us. Secondly, you know, um, we would see them and I don't know what was going on with the musicians because at that point in time, I know I'm playing, other guys are playing, I think, you know, we were just like, they set this bar of what could be, of what could happen. And these bands would start to start to, to merge and more bands would merge. I mean, but it's, it's almost like th there was a flock of energy, a, a combustion of all these musicians in the same age, you know, kind of, you know, in the same age, going to schools, uh, you know, and, and, and timing. You know, because there were a lot of bands, man. There were a lot of bands that were all playing funk that you could play with, you know, and, and wanting more and reaching higher. So, I mean, it, it is a tough thing because I, I thought about that myself, about what was it with Dayton, you know, the small town and, 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 the, and the people in that area, you know, but we fed off each other, man. I mean, I really believe we fed off each other. I think we inspired each other, the competition, the battle of the bands, you know, and other guys saying, man, let's do this. And then again, you get the Ohio players and they reach down and, you know, and, and, and launch a group called Slave. And, you know, you, you've got all this swirling around you and, and guys playing in these different bands and, and opportunities. So, I mean, my God, I look, listen, I got a little league picture. Let me pull this up here. Let me, let me pull this up. I got this in my magazine. I did a story. And this is, let's see if you can, you probably can't see this too well, but this is a, a literally pitch pitch uh picture uh now on this picture is 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 mark from lakeside uh steve errington from slave i mean on on my team on my baseball team oh uh, that's great <laughs> you know what i mean I, you know i mean just uh butch caldwell became a superstar football player but i'm just saying there's a, a lot of musicians man <laughs> on this little league team i mean it, the magic was everywhere. There, there was, you know, 
And there's not been anything like it. I mean, it's in, like Dayton right now, there's it, nothing going on when it comes to bands like that. There's no, there's, there's no vibrancy like it was then, you know? It's, it's, it's hard to expect, but I mean, I, you felt like you knew everybody. And even when I was doing my jingles, man, I mean, I got Midnight Star, Jimmy Williams from the from the Ohio players playing drums. I got Sheldon. I got Keith. I got all these people. Um, Keith um, Harrison with uh, um, Fazo. Fazo later played with um, uh, the Gap. Daz Band. Daz Band, exactly. And and uh, but my point of the matter is, you know, all these guys are there. I mean, these are the guys playing jingles with me. All these songs, you know. It's hard to explain. It is a phenomenon. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've never been there. I hope to go there someday. And yeah. See him, but wow. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for uh, people coming up today trying to get in music? Should they instead go into advertising? <laughs> no, no. no let, me, let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like the music business. But, you know, listen, you have to be aware that with all the passion is um, – you also have to be aware of the business. I mean, you really do need to read about publishing. You really do need to read about how the music business works. I mean, you, you just do. I mean, the thing is, you don't want to be later broke. And I mean, there are a lot of musicians out there, man, that are just so struggling financially. And, you know, and they, yeah, and they had the star and they had it there. But, but you know, no one taught them anything about investing. No one taught them anything about, you know, um, you know, having a plan B or, you know, so, so my, my thing is, is that, um, you know, you know, practice, practice, uh, really be yourself, you know, really, really be yourself. I mean, I, I, I can tell you, um, uh, when you're coming from a place of authenticity, you know, when you're really speaking your truth, you know, and then, Listen, get out there and network. I mean, I, I created a, a business around networking. Let me tell you something. Nothing beats networking. And there's a lot of times I used to think it was silly. I used to think it was just a way to get out of the office early. I'm going to tell you, get out and network. Go to conferences. Go meet some new people. Man, it's it's it's, it's meeting these new people that you you get new ideas and and um, you get out of your world. You know, you, you get into something new. And, and, and always be a student. Never stop being a student. I'm constantly learning, you know? Mm. Just, just be a student. But listen, but it, over and above all of that, you know, I'm a big believer in mindfulness, man. Just, you know, feel your butt in that seat. Feel yourself walking and you feel the wind blowing in your face. I mean, take it in. I mean, take it in. I mean, right now, Scott, you know, I tell my kids all the time, I said, I said to them, kids, this is your good old day. You are walking around in your good old day, okay? I'm walking around in my good old day. I mean, you know, I'm 63. Well, if if if, if everything bears out and I stay healthy, I'm gonna be 73 one day, 83, 93. I mean, you understand? This is our golden moment. It is now. Yeah. You know, no one's gonna rescue you. No one's gonna like all of a sudden come and dump some kind of opportunity in front of you. You know, you've got to create it. So you just have to be willing to say, look, no need for negativity. No need for putting anyone else down. There's no need for talking about what isn't coming your way. What you can do is focus on the things you can make happen for you and serving other people. You know, and serving other people, Scott, I'm not talking about, you know, um, 
only, you know, giving people money or, or volunteering. These are all good, but I'm talking about just smiling at people, just, just being kind to people, serving, you know, serving humanity. Pay That's it my word. And pay it forward, right? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Anything else you'd like to uh, add to the Sun fans that are still out there and still loving the music? And I, I, I listen. I want the Sun fans to know that I so appreciate them, and I, I, I cannot begin to tell you how much of an honor it is to be appreciated by you, to be noticed by you. That you know, you decide with on YouTube or whatever to click our music or go to iTunes or whatever, and you click. I just want to say to you, it is so valued and appreciated. And, um, you know, I just feel like you're a gift. You're a gift to me and you're a gift to the group, son. Well, we thank you, Kim, for your work in Sun and uh, for your sharing time today and telling these stories. And and uh, so glad that uh, you've had such success and also to find you in good health, good spirits and all that. So. Excellent. Thank you. Hey, well, listen, I also want to tell you what a service you're doing for us, for all of us, and um, what, what, what you're bringing to us by allowing us to express, you know, what's happened with us and what's going on. I mean, it's really, it's really great, Scott, really. I mean, you're, you're doing something that's very, very meaningful, and uh, it's a lot that goes in to do what you do. Uh, yeah, I don't take it, I don't take this for granted, you know, but uh Appreciate you too, my friend. Thank you so much, Kim. Hey, all right. All those great stories. Had a blast with Kim. He has definite proof that funk is everywhere, even deep within corporate America. With that, it's time to wrap up this edition of Truth and Rhythm. Huge thanks again to my special guest, Mr. Kim Yancey, beekeeper, for some of the slickest funk of the late 1970s as an original member of Sun. Sincere thank you to you, the viewers and listeners. Thank you for the continued interest and support. Be sure to look for upcoming Truth and Rhythm episodes and catch up with previous installments at funkistuff.net on YouTube, iTunes, and other leading providers. We want to hear from you. Drop me an email at scottg at funkistuff.net. Let me know what you like about the show, maybe what you don't like so much, who you want to see. It's all for you. So keep that feedback coming. Been getting some great letters from you guys. Love it. Keep it coming. Lastly, please subscribe to Truth and Rhythm on YouTube. Subscribe to the FunkinStuff.net channel, and that's where Truth and Rhythm resides, but we need that support. Show the amazing funk, jazz, and R&B artists featured on this program how much you want to keep the funk alive. So with that, as usual, this is Scott, Dr. G.S. Goldfine, signing off by saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.